when I build out anything, I like to think of the humanness of it all, especially like if you're thinking about process design, I implement technology. I'm hyper-focused on people. Who uses this? Who is on the other side of it? Who's the end user? It's a person. It's always a person. So being hyper-vigilant about the person really, I think, helps me to deliver and optimize legal expertise out to our business. Welcome to Modern Business Operations, where we talk with leaders about how Ops is adapting to our modern world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Modern Business Operations. I'm your host, Seth Colliner, and with me today is two guests, Tom Stevenson, the VP of Community and Legal Operations at Legal.io, and Tommy Tavares Ferreira, who is the head of legal operations at Cedar, and they are also both podcast co-hosts of their own. So this is going to be an interesting conversation with podcast people, and there's three of us, and so we're just going to kind of dive right in with a freewheeling conversation. Before we begin, why don't you each just tell us a bit about your background and your current role, and uh, Tom, why don't you start? Yeah, thank you so much, Seth. Well, my name is, like I said, Tom Stevenson. I'm the Vice President of Community and Legal Operations here at Legal.io, and I also am the wonderful and lovely co-host of Dear Legal Ops with Tommy and prior to this role that I am at Legal IO, I was head of legal ops and chief of staff at Credit Karma and have had a varied and variety legal career over a decade from law firm to in-house. So really excited to be here to talk about all things, the intersection of operations, leadership and career growth. And hello, I am Tommy Tavares Ferreira. I'm the head of legal operations at Cedar. Thank you, Seth, for that warm welcome. And I am proudly Tom's co-host for Dear Legal Ops Podcast. My career elevator pitch is paralegal contract manager, head of legal ops. I wonder how many other people have that trajectory as well. And it's been a variety of different fields from entertainment industry to technology. And now I'm in healthcare fintech. And I also proudly lead up my company's employee resource group for LGBTQIA plus individuals, which is a great area of fun and pride for me. So thank you so much for having us. We're super pumped to be here. I am super pumped to have you. I'm going to dive right in with some questions. So it's funny, on this podcast, I, I keep having the same conversation with people. Everyone says the same thing. And this is across verticals and in different categories. Everyone wants their team and their role to be more strategically aligned with the business and its broader strategic goals. But one thing we haven't talked about a lot is how that notion can be, actually be a career booster you know, for individuals. So I want to talk about how workers should be strategic about that. So let's call it the intersection of ops plus leadership plus career growth. And Tommy, why don't you start by addressing that? Well, I think operation folks are really well positioned to be strategic leaders. They're given these opportunities and can take the opportunities to do these big wide-scale projects that will get a lot of visibility that will help support, you know, whatever the strategic goals are of the organization. And so you really can level up your career by taking those opportunities. There's the island of the legal team that has, you know, all of its risk mitigating and objectives that it wants for itself. But really, ultimately, what it is at its core is going to be, if you're doing it right, is going to be that strategic partner to the rest of the business, right? Like, how do we get contracts out that are supporting our organization? How do we do deals, M&A, blah, blah, blah right? What's our real estate portfolio look like? So I think at our core, we have these opportunities where we can put ourselves out there in front, start building out roadmaps and showing the ways in which we can help the organization achieve what they're hoping to achieve 
and then use that visibility to level up our own careers. And so I think you see in the marketplace, a lot of legal ops professionals are getting titles like strategic operations or strategic business operations, strategic operation leader inside of legal. And I think that's the right evolution of the role that because chief of staff is doing a lot of strategic work, but because we're putting these positions where we can achieve these strategic objectives, I think that that helps us to level up. Yeah. You know, I think Tommy, you really hit it right out of the ballpark, you know, in question one here and really trying to get to the crux of this, which is, are we actually talking to the business and asking them what is the objective here so that the in-house professional, right, legal operations, chief of staff, GC, managing counsel, you know, everyone that comes to the in-house legal table, are we ultimately taking this approach that looks at the business itself, we're engaging in this cross-functional collaboration, and then ultimately turning internally by saying, okay, there are these legal operations initiatives that are core fundamentals and key strategies to be able to support driving revenue forward. And aligning your career with your company's strategic goals, it does transform any role, regardless of what you are titled, right? From a mere job to a vital component of success. And something I've learned along my own career path as well, too, is you don't just stop at what's right in front of you, right? You have to scratch past that surface. You have to ask more. And in your career, it's the same thing. What am I doing to take the next step forward? Is it through networking? Is it through community building? Is it through thought leadership? Is it taking in your own skill sets as well and leveling those up? So myriad of ways to go from here. But Yeah, I think the intersection of this operations, leadership, and career growth, it's where true professional impact is made. Great. And what about, what have you actually seen that works in in real life? So sort of specific examples are, are things that people can do or should be doing to do what we're talking about. So raising your hand for opportunities, putting yourself in a position to be of service and really be curious, right? It's really hard to prove that you're a strategic leader without a vulnerability, a growth mindset, and and the skill set to actually get it done. So you have to be willing to take on work so that you can prove that you're able to, you know, carry out the initiatives. And you have to be able to say that you don't know what you don't know. So there's where the vulnerability comes in. Ask for guidance, learning people that can help support you, get the help you need when you need it. Definitely take credit for being a strategic leader, but also I'm a big advocate of also giving other people their flowers too. You do not get things done on your own. I mean, you can, right? But generally we don't, right? So I always like to remind other leaders as well, like don't forget to give people their flowers. Don't forget to give, you know, people credit for the ideas that they have. I think a really good leader makes sure that they take their team on the ride, but also gives them credit as well for the achievements. Oh, okay. You were just going to go ahead. That's exactly what my real life was as well, too. But, you know, without beating this horse too much, right? It is. It's true. What Tommy said is so important. I, I hope that, you know, those that are watching and listening to this episode, the one thing that they could take away is, yeah, in order to grow your skill sets, it's this cornerstone of, you know, Effective strategy and operations, it's rooted in the art of listening, asking these challenging questions, and driving towards simplicity. Now, I will be first and foremost here and say, 
that is not a skill that Tom Stevenson out of the gate is great at, right? It also is a skill set that over my career, I have really focused and stumbled more often than I have succeeded when you look at it overall, right? I hope to say that like when I look back and think of the last five to seven years, maybe 10 years, I've done a lot better than I did, you know, when I was earlier in my 20s and things like that, you know? And yeah, the legal field, it's just so complex and is often given this ability to how do you distill the information that you're taught, right? We are innately education-wise in law schools taught, hey, this is the way that legal is done, right? From a yes, no, black and white aspect. But it's different when you talk about business skills, right? When you talk about leadership skills, when you talk about the drivers of technology and core strategic initiatives that are led by legal operations professionals that ultimately help drive revenue and run legal like a business. So what actually works? Honestly, true leaders in legal operations, they don't just navigate complexity. They really streamline it so that they can reveal the human element at its core. And I think it's really ultimately, you know, TLDRing it here, you know, listening more than speaking, simplifying rather than complicating and connecting with people at every level. Those are great answers. I had a couple of things that, that popped up for me when you were, were each talking. I had a coach in high school. He was a highway patrolman uh, in a previous career. And one of his things about learning was he had the most like citations, like bad citations as a trooper than like anybody else that, you know, in his orbit. But he also got promoted fastest. And his take was like, I, you know, I tried hard, I failed hard, I learned quickly and I kept moving. And, you know, I think there's some humility in that as well, right? Of like, oh, I messed up. Now I need to learn how to, how to do the next thing. I want to take this actually and flip it, right? You asked two co-hosts of a podcast on, you know, to be able to talk about it. Say more about that coaching because I do think a practical skill set and something that in my own career as well that has actually worked for me is professional coaching. In when I was at Credit Karma, one of the things that I did was I took advantage of our professional development funds that were available. And so instead of potentially, you know, going and getting more education, right? Or maybe going to a conference or something like that. The one thing that Tom Stevenson and his role at that time, and also just where I was in my own professional journey, was this career coach. And so I want to hear more about that. And Tommy, have you also had a career coach? What, it, what does that look like? I had an executive coach up until very recently. And I will say, I think the investment was completely worth it because there is a certain point where, to your point, Tom, doesn't mean I wasn't going to conferences, doesn't mean I wasn't supplementing the education piece of it every which way I could. But the one-on-one relationship with someone actually, say to your point, Seth, talking you through the failures and helping you to fail faster next time, maybe, or even telling you what to look out for to not fail. But I'm a huge fan of failing, failing fast, taking the learnings. Like We're not getting anywhere if we're trying to walk around in a plastic bubble and be afraid of failure. So I'm a big fan of it. And I think it's not at all surprising that person was elevated quickly because they were also learning from failings. But I think, yeah, shout out to the coaches out there that are helping people to escalate and level up and asking you thought-provoking questions that help you go dig deep. All of the questions that we're going to talk about today, I bet every one of them goes back to vulnerability. The way that you're shining out there, the way that you're going out in your career and the way that you're actually leveraging people and running teams, you have to be vulnerable to do that. And coaches really help you to, to tap into that. Yeah, I think one of the, the most sort of startling and sort of an also empowering phrases that I've heard in sort of debatey sort of environments is, I don't have enough information to give you a good answer on that. 
or I don't know enough to know. Like having someone in leadership say that kind of a thing to me is like, okay, great. You know, as opposed to faking it, you know, which you know, fake it till you make it is like this idea. And like, there's some, you know, there, there's some good idea in there. But yeah, being, having the vulnerability to be like, I actually don't know. So I'm not going to give you a bad answer. We can find this out together or I'll ask somebody else. And that's, that's refreshing. And I think that's a, that's a tone of vulnerability in a way that just means like, hey, we're all just going to get to the right thing together. This isn't a competition, <laughs> right? Like we're all, we in this room, we're all trying to win the same game. Are you sure so it's not a competition? A I think you could probably <laughs> maybe like pull some legal ops people and they would say differently. But no, I, I, sure. I think to your point, you're absolutely right, right? It's the both of you, it's the vulnerability. It's being able to ask the tough questions. But when you don't know, the vulnerability there is and the truth is, I don't know. And how do you coach that without, you know, blurring into the imposter syndrome world, right? Right, right. It can be scary. All, all the more reason for you know, the leader in the room to be the one to set that tone, right? Well, so there's an aspect to all of this, you know, about career trajectory that involves, you know, upskilling, but a lot of that focuses on like, your training and your abilities. But I'm more interested in taking those skills and accomplishing things for the organization such that you're making an impact and getting ahead like that with that idea of skill. So if people are trying to think, how do I get ahead in my career while I'm delivering value and impact to this organization? You know, for ops teams, what are some things that they should be trying to execute on to do that? Oh, I love this. We, believe it or not, we covered a lot of it already because I think that ops teams should be, leaders should be vulnerable. They should be saying, I don't know, could you double click on that? So they should be wanting context. And I think that a really good leader is going to accomplish and understand what their abilities are by being that type of vulnerable leader. So I'll just say, I'll say that first and foremost. But second of all, I think that they build out roadmaps and they understand what the big picture is. And now that they've ingested and they've been vulnerable enough to understand what the macro is, and they have let themselves ask those tough questions, like, I don't understand, can we open that up a little bit more? Then they can go back to the lab and say, okay, now I'm going to build out a roadmap for how we achieve what it is. Now that I understand that I have a full download, now I'm going to put together a roadmap of of how we get there. And they'll, and they will, you know, set themselves and the, their team up to to achieve that by asking for feedback, getting other people to buy in, saying, hey, this is what I think the vision is. Do you think this sounds right? Right. Getting other people to see if they believe in that vision as well. So I think that really listening, as Tom said, being vulnerable, letting yourself ask those tough questions, making sure you really understand what objectives you're trying to achieve, then build out the vision and seeing that you've built consensus are some of the ways in which you can show what your abilities are. This episode is brought to you by Tonkeen. Tonkeen's process experience platform seamlessly wraps around existing policies and systems, allowing internal service teams to do more with what they already have. Build process experiences that are personalized for each requester and use AI to automate the intake, triage, and resolution of every request. Maximize adoption, compliance, and efficiency with no change management and no code. At Legal.io here, one approach that I think is super essential is being able to step back and undoubtedly looking at that it's a real game changer if you can identify the skill sets that are going to make a significant impact. And like Tommy said, right, we keep kind of dancing around the same issue here, but for operations teams and specifically legal operations teams, something that I've done at Teladoc, done at Credit Karma, I'm working forward here at Legal.io, it's really focusing on that 
process orchestration, how it can lead to these remarkable improvements in efficiency and effectiveness. And so what does that look like in reality and putting pen to paper, right? So my awesome coworkers here, the team that I'm building here at Legal.io, it's about being able to take those complex problems and solve them by either emphasizing the importance of not just like getting new skill sets, right? But strategically applying them through coaching, leveling up, cross-collaboration, right? But I, in Tom Stevenson's colorful world, right? I think it's all about gathering those diverse colors, right? Each that they represent a unique skill set. And we see this often in the legal ops world, right? It's it's essential to, we're, we're always wanting to continuously add to this palette, right? If a a color is missing, a skill's missing, right? It's our job to kind of seek that out. So once you've acquired it, how do you practice and perfect it? And then more importantly, share that knowledge. That's something I've always really tried to instill in the teams that I have built and the teams that I have been a part of, even if I'm I'm not a leader. It's this cycle of education and philosophy. You know, I have an awesome role here where I get to be both vice president of community and helping with legal operations and legal operations advocacy for our community so they can grow together. They can enhance the collective ability to address the challenges and opportunities within the legal professional sector. That's great. Well, and so the next part of the conversation is is a sort of tough, difficult part, right? Because it's about resources. And there's a, you know, there's a couple of ways you can get the resources you need. You can hire more people, which often doesn't happen, or you can, you know, pull in some tool or technology to help you do that, which also costs money. And there's implementation issues and, and all of that. And then, and regardless of what the case is, you have to sell it internally, right? So in terms of, let's call it right-sizing your resources, we're all under-resourced. Everybody always is. But how do you locate and define that and then make that pitch for change in order to get the people who have the, the purse strings to loosen them for you? First, you need, I think, two really important things to, to right-sizing any organization. You need data, but you also need priorities because you need to know what you're right-sizing to. So knowing the data, like an analysis of who does what, what are the gaps, what are our our objectives as an organization that we're strategizing to, you take that and you lay that all out in a compelling way that that is moving to people, that's great. Once you know who the audience is that you're pitching to, you serve that information to them in a way that they want to receive it, and then you go out and you get the resources that you need. But is there an alignment on needing the resources? And that's why I think you need to, to have the data first. So if you say to people, hey, I'm asking you for X to perform Y, someone might go, well, I don't know if what performance of Y is important. So first prioritizing what it is that we're all hoping to achieve. And you might be able to do the right resource planning by getting rid of some of the objectives if they don't support the overall strategy that you're all working towards. I am a big fan of technology being able to supplement people. I'm definitely a people first. I'm a people first, but then I am probably secondarily a technology person because it, when used right and when done well, it can help supplement us all and propel us all. So I think really figuring out like, what am I trying to achieve here? And then utilizing the data to tell the story that you're hoping to tell is a way that you can hopefully make a a compelling narrative so that someone buys into what it is that you're trying to achieve. And and right-sizing the resources. And we talk about these under-constrained environments. I think I saw recently Kevin Cohn 
from Bright Flag mentioned that he hates the phrase, you know, doing more with less, right? Because if you're doing more than less, think about it. It, it demotivates the employees. They're like, oh, I don't know. I've been giving everything. If I give less, do I still get to the same outcome, right? Now, that doesn't help the business. That doesn't help the motivation. That certainly probably doesn't help with the career path, right? Whether they're looking to stay, whether they're looking to grow and contribute more. And something we often do um, in the House of Dear Legal Ops and on our podcast is really try and talk about that professional and personal blend, right? How can you be your best self and show up authentically and give your best? Because that then transcends and translates into those business results. I'm sure at, Tom- at Tonkin, right, you guys are always trying to be able to help your clients, right, with workflow automation and, and right-sizing so that, to Tommy's point, the people always are going to be first, right? That's why we talk about people, payments, process technology, however you want to call it, right, in whatever order. But we never start, right, with automation or AI or any other buzzword, right? Because somebody has to sit in the driver's seat. So right sourcing these resources, especially in legal operations, it's a delicate balance. How do you be agile? How are you adaptable? How are you trying to understand the demands of the business, right? The perspectives that I've learned over my career ultimately have shifted, right? When I was in the law firm environment, it was like fight or flight, right? more billable hours, bigger cases, better wins, right? It was just a, a, a shark fight, essentially. And that, that necessarily doesn't breed great culture. So now we talk about the career progression, right? What is the right environment? But on the in-house world and you know, even on the ALSP side, right? We see that being able to do that talks about highlighting the gaps, but more importantly, and I can't stress this enough, right? The potential ROI from it. In all of the teams that I have led in, I would say, probably the last seven or eight years when data has been the driver of the conversations, I have tried to challenge my teams as I'm leading them to come to me with problems that both point out maybe what's wrong, right? What needs to be fixed, all of that. But I'm really more interested in the meat and potatoes of it, right? What's going to happen if we change this? Will this accelerate velocity and revenue 10x, right? Will this save automated man hours or female hours or in-between hours, right? To be able to help you get more resources. And at Legal.io, that's one of the things that we try and do here is we frequently are talking about how are you empowering legal talent on demand to be able to ramp up as the business needs it, ramp down maybe a little bit when things aren't great and in-between. And I think right-sizing, when in a world where legal demands are changing rapidly, right? We had the summer two years ago of unlimited budgets, and now we're, we're, we're seeing this rapid decline of it. Having a flexible on-demand talent pool or right-sizing resources, it's not just an asset. It's really a necessity to thrive and survive. One thought I had, Tommy, when you first started talking about priorities, it's probably an underrated bit of strategy to get what you want. An anecdote from a past career of mine, it was when I was a journalist, there was like a new VP at this media company that was going to be all of our new boss for you know, multiple web properties. And things had atrophied, like the sites were out of date and they needed, there's a lot of things that needed to be fixed. And she said to my editor in chief, make me a list of the most important things. And when we meet, talk, talk to me about it. You know? And so, and we, you know, we cracked our knuckles. We made the longest list of all time. It was a scroll of every single little thing because we were so <laughs> precise. There's yeah. like, you know, a hundred things on this list, you know, and he gets in there and it's like thing one, and it's some minor, you know, just thing on, on the page. He started going down the list and she just stopped him. And she was like, is that the most important one? It's like, no, it is not. It is just one of many. 
And so what she wanted and what, what we had failed to do is, as a team was actually prioritize for this person. She's like, I need information. I need it fast. I need it concise. I need it prioritized. Yeah. And we just didn't do that. Uh, and it was not a great, <laughs> it was not a great first impression. So we went back and, and corrected that. But the prioritization is important, right? It's like, well, you're not going to fix a hundred things. We're going to fix two. <laughs> yep. Pick what's actually most important. So yeah. can you tell that I have also failed at delivering a message to an audience? And that is how I've learned that you yeah. definitely want to <laughs> prioritize not only what it is that you're in there to tell, the story that you're in there to tell, but also you're in there to prioritize the way that you tell it, right? Like, so I've failed enough with executives and anyone I'm pitching to, particularly for money, to know that you get to the point, you get there in a way that it's digestible to them. And you tell that story in a way that really gets to the point and gets to the point that you're like, if I'm there saying, hey, I need money to do X, I'm going to tell why, right to Tom's point, what's the ROI of it? I'm going to tell that story. But right, like we've all learned that lesson of going in with the minutia and someone turning around and going, no, 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 no. I need you 10 steps higher and I need you to get there faster. Right. Well put. So this is the this is the boilerplate question we started ending these episodes with. But what is the best advice you've received in your career? My favorite story is my CLO at Peloton and his deputy GC. All three of us are no longer there, but just wonderful people. When we say people, Tom, like in legal ops, like people process things, people like I believe that to be true, that the people part of it always comes first. But what I learned from both, you know, my former CLO and, and my former boss, Hisao Koshi and Caitlin Johnston, is the value of people that like people really are like how you get it all done. And people are who you're spending all your time with. And especially in a world where we're looking at Gen AI and we're all afraid we're going to turn into robots and really wanting a human connection. My favorite quote and we built an entire offsite around his quote and we built our team values around his quote was what you do is not as important as who you do it with right we built our whole offsite theme on people and how we get things done together and and how we interact in the interconnectivity that though it's only a few years old it was only a few years ago that i held it i hold it so close to my heart when I, whenever anyone asks like what's your favorite quote I'm like that one, that one because I'm a people leader, that one because I'm a part of community, that one because I'm a human living on earth, right? Like, so really it's all about the people. And when I build out anything, I like to think of the humanness of it all, especially like if you're thinking about like process design, I implement technology, I'm hyper focused on people. Who uses this? Who is on the other side of it? Who's the end user? It's a person. It's always a person. So being hyper vigilant about the person really, I think, helps me to deliver and optimize legal expertise out to our business. So though he meant it in a leadership way, I also take that application not only as a leader, but also I apply it in process design and technology implementation. It has such a practical application so widely that I just it's just my favorite quote. Okay, John, you want to follow that? Yeah, I mean, how? Right? I was like, wow. Good well, right, to, yeah. It has been nice being on this podcast today with you all. <laughs> see you back in the recording studio, Tommy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to not get overly emotional here, but I will say that, you know, yeah, when I was in Chicago at a law firm and weird, right? Not weird, but yeah, 
the experience that I'm going to draw on here is from a law firm environment, which I think speaks maybe a lot to maybe how I have approached people in my career, how I approach collaboration, just the je ne sais quoi of Tom, right? Of who he is and what he tries to project out in a community overall is leaning into those hard conversations with grace. Shout out to Bob Benjamin, Golan Christie Taglia partner that I worked for a number of years. Large man, personality, and in every sense of that, right? And so little old me, right? Little old 20-year-old Tom, you know, coming up into a law firm. I was like, oh, gosh, I don't want to get run over by this one. And it was so interesting, right, for a person that had a dynamic uh, partner track, right, that had, was a a leader in a specific practice area in a law firm, not just in Chicago, right, but nationwide. All, like all of these things that were thrown into the blender that made Bob Benjamin the man that he is always brought me in when things didn't go right, you know, when things maybe got off course. And it was being able to say like, hey, Tom, yeah, we like up, you know, like we did that, right? But what are we going to do to learn from this? And I think maybe going back a little bit, right? It's that asking the question about what can we fix with an ROI scenario too, right? We onboard for discomfort and failure. And I, I think I heard that from Brene Brown or something before when I was reading one of her books, right? You can't just expect people to know how to have hard conversations. We are in legal. We we're not really programmed, I would say, to lead with empathy and operations and you know, the tangents in business that allow us to be flexible in the way that we approach problems, right? So rather than falling for the myth that being this kind and honest, that they're mutually exclusive, no, no, no. You have to believe that honest feedback is inherently kind and normalizing that feedback to, you know, to be able to encourage an environment where apologies need to be normalized and modeled by lawyers, leaders, whatever your title is, right? That when they mess up, as we inevitably do, right? That the thing that you take away from it is that armored leaders do create a work culture where avoiding conflict in conversations is the norm and we need to stop that. So leaning into those hard conversations and taking that experience from Bob Benjamin over time and applying that personally and professionally in a multifaceted ways, I think it's really been able to bring out kind of the leader that I hope to inspire to be. That's great. And in closing, is there anything that you each want to promote about or share about yourself or your company or anything else? And if people want to contact you, what's the best way to do that? They can contact me at linkedin.com slash Tommy. I am also can be found on the Dear Legal Ops podcast with Tom. And I don't promote this much, but I'm going to because you asked. I wrote a book. It's called There's So Much I Need to Say to You. It's an LGBTQIA novel. Find it on Amazon. But any of your fans out there, your listeners who think that might be interesting, coming of age novel, please check it out. Cool. Yeah. And so my name is Tom Stevenson. I'm the Vice President of Community and Legal Operations at Legal I.O., and we're a legal talent on-demand network with over 32,000 professionals. So we specialize in connecting clients with top in-house talent for roles. We have a vibrant community that goes beyond just the talent placement, right? It's resources, it's connections, it's being able to be at wherever you are in your career. So if you're interested in learning more about Legal.io's community, about our talent, or being an enterprise client, feel free to reach out to us at legal.io or reach out to me directly at tom.stevenson at legal.io. And then also, Tommy, come on, right? Don't miss out on Dear Legal Ops, right? We're a podcast that is 
solely focused on in-house professionals, legal operations, personal and professional issues, right? We have insightful discussions with anonymous letters and incredible guests on the latest trends and strategies in the corporate in-house and legal operations space. So join us at dearlegalops.com slash submit for a chance to be featured on the episode and to really kind of come along this journey with us and explore the frontiers of legal ops and be a part of this transformative creation that we're doing together. Tom and Tommy, thank you so much for being on today and sharing your insights and wisdom. And I hope everyone goes and checks out these various opportunities they have for podcasts and books and for professional development and connection. Thank you both so much. Thank Thank you you for having us. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Modern Business Operations. You can see the show notes and all of the resources mentioned in today's episode at tonkeen.com slash mbopod. Thank you for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. And if you're interested in staying up to date on all things business operations, join the Tonkin community at tonkin.com community.